Coming up on this week's show, Governor Henry McMaster signed the fetal heartbeat bill into law on Thursday. The law prevents an abortion from taking place if a fetal heartbeat is detected. Here to talk about the bill is Executive Director of the Carolina Pregnancy Center, Alexia Newman. However, an hour before the bill was signed, several organizations filed lawsuits and a federal judge blocked the measure, preventing the bill from going into effect. To talk more about how opponents are handling the aftermath of the bill's passage is Richland County Councilwoman and Planned Parenthood organizer Allison Terratio. All that and more coming up on this week of Politically Inclined. The news is first. You're listening to Politically Inclined from WUSC News. On Thursday, history was made at the South Carolina State House with the signing of the fetal heartbeat bill, a bill banning most abortions in the state. Here with me now to talk about the bill and what it means for South Carolina is Executive Director of the Carolina Pregnancy Center and pro-life advocate Alexa Newman. Alexa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Lydia. I'm excited to be here tonight. Yes. You know, just to start it off, um, you're somebody who's been fighting for pro-life rights for years. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you do and how you work with uh, lawmakers in the state? Well, I'm the, as you said, the executive director of the Carolina Pregnancy Center. We are uh, a pro-life ministry. When I started here 31 years ago, we were mainly just helping women, but now we help men. Um, and of course, we're an advocate for that baby. Um, and my my role is to raise the money. Our budget runs almost $600,000 a year. That's my job to raise that money. Um, and my, res- my responsibilities at the State House just really are to be an a- advocate for all life uh, legislation. Um, and things that affect women. Um, I'll be involved tomorrow with the women in sports bill. So anything that affects women um, is where my heart is. Um, so that that just gives you a, a, just a, a gl- very tiny glimpse of what I do. Yes. And uh, if I'm correct, you were there when the bill was signed on Thursday. Is that correct? I was. You I was. were. What was that moment like for you as somebody who has worked for that for so long? It was very emotional, Lydia, very emotional. Um, There have been people that weren't there uh, that have been in the legislature. And and I I called a lot of them and said, you know, we stand on your shoulders today. There were so many people that had prayed, that had made calls, that had written letters. Um, And then uh, men and women that elected officials who had fought for this bill. So it was it was emotional. I'll tell you, I cried. Um, just, I think all the work, all the passion, um, just those last few days of testimony. Um, it was just a great day. Yeah. And to talk a little bit more about the bill right now, courts have temporarily blocked that law from going into effect with lawsuits from Planned Parenthood saying it's unconstitutional, but South Carolina attorney general saying he's ready to fight for it. He's ready to go to court. Um, do you think that, um, their argument is valid and it's something that um, will prevent this law from going into effect for a while? You know, it's that's going to be a court decision. It really comes down to the judge, how the judge interprets the law. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, when um, Attorney General Wilson got off the elevator before the governor had even come up 
to sign the bill, he had already been served with the papers that we were being sued. So we'll just, that's just a decision. We'll have to leave it up to the court. We feel like the law was written tight. Um, and so we're just hoping for the best outcome. But we know it's going to be challenged to the Fourth Circuit and probably all the way to the Supreme Court. And we're ready for that fight. Yes. And, you know, one of these arguments from the other side is that if abortions are banned, then women and girls that seek abortions would seek riskier options, possibly harming themselves in the process. How do you think South Carolina and a clinic like yours um, is responsible to help come alongside these women um, and prevent something from like that to happen? Well, you know, when women come to our office and their boyfriends or their husbands, they're looking for hope. And we do uh, ultrasounds. So they see and they hear that heartbeat of that little baby. Um, our our responsibility is to serve them, to help them, to give them guidance, to never to tell them what to do. And we do post-abortion counseling. So we see women who have had the pain of an abortion uh, in their past and they want help. Um, so, but our job is to say, these are the resources that are available um, and, and just give them simple facts of um, fetal development that a heartbeat is detected at 21 days after conception, that that baby has brainwaves 40 days after conception. And a lot of times they just don't know that. And they'll come in very, resolute to have an abortion and then they see the heartbeat they hear the heartbeat they see that baby moving around on the ultrasound it totally we don't have to say anything um the the science says it and then our job is to love them and to support them through that process and we actually have a male on staff that works with the men the dads and that's been really helpful in this process so, so true. Um, my last question for you is being that bills like these have passed in South Carolina and, and in some other states as well. Um, what about the national level? Do you think that we could ever see um, something nationally passed um, to the SCOTUS, perhaps? I mean, D President Donald Trump did put um, or former President Donald Trump put three three judges on the bench that are conservative. Do you think that we could see something like that in the future? I do. I think that's going to be a while. Um, but I do think that as more states pass bills like the heartbeat bill, that they'll be enjoined. And um, the Supreme Court, I'm sure, will be looking at this bill. We're, we're confident that's where we want it to go. We feel like that it has its greatest chance at the Supreme Court now. Thank you so much um, for being with us today, Alexa. It was great seeing well, you. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you. Have that was night. Executive Director of the Carolina Pregnancy Center, Alexa Newman. We will be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Politically Inclined from WUSC News. While pro-life advocates praise the fetal heartbeat bill's passing, pro-choice advocates are concerned that without state courts overturning the bill, women may not be able to get an abortion in the state of South Carolina. Here with me to talk more about the lawsuits filed against the bill is Richland County Councilwoman and Planned Parenthood organizer Allison Terracio. Councilwoman, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. And you can call me Allison tonight. All right. Well, Allison, I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about everything that's happened over the past week in the state of South Carolina, especially regarding this fetal heartbeat bill. So my first question for you is when the bill was passed on Thursday, what was your initial reaction? Well, this is something that we kind of expected um, with the numbers the way they are at our state house. Um, 
we knew that folks would uh, really toe the party line. And so we very much expected the votes to go as they did, more or less. Um, and so we were prepared uh, with that lawsuit to be filed on Thursday before even the governor signed it. So lawsuits from the Greenville Women's Clinic and Planned Parenthood have surfaced to try to get the bill from going into effect. How are these lawsuits currently holding up in court and what is the main argument of these lawsuits that are being brought forth? Well, this bill is blatantly unconstitutional. The lawmakers all know it um, and yet they are trying this anyway. So um, Right now, we are under what's called an um, emergency restraining order. Uh, And so the bill will not go, has not gone, well, it went into effect when the governor signed it. And then on Friday, there was a judgment that uh, basically said the law would not no longer be in effect. Uh, That was a 14-day ruling. And we have every indication from that judge that there will be a continuation of that order. You talk about going to court, and I will say that on my Instagram after the bill was passed, there was a lot of users that were posting on Instagram a graphic that was posted by Planned Parenthood about how they would see everyone in court regarding this bill. So talk about kind of the support that you have received in terms of fighting back on this fetal heartbeat bill. Yes. Well, we have seen other states pass bills similar to this, and every single time uh, there have been lawsuits brought against the state, and every single time those bills have been um, have been deemed unconstitutional by those courts. So, um, you know, everyone everyone knew that it was going to court, um, and we definitely have seen an outpouring of support because in the state of South Carolina and really nationwide, there's a vast um, majority of support, um, well over 70 percent. And uh, one poll has people in South Carolina supporting abortion rights as um, about 80 percent. So folks do not want to see this right completely taken away. There are some people who would like to see some restrictions on it, um, and that certainly can be reasonable. But uh, this has been, you know, we've for almost 50 years, and nobody wants to go back. Well, I would say one of the main arguments coming from the pro-choice side on this is the fact that if you do ban abortions, women might still try to do something to end their pregnancy in an unhealthy way. What are your thoughts on that and kind of how that ties into this fetal heartbeat bill and how how it could affect women in the future? Sure. Well, laws like these disproportionately affect women women who who don't have as much access to health care in general. So um, women who have privilege, who can travel easily, who can easily get um, care for the children they already have, and who can afford travel and uh, abortion services, they can get on a plane and go to New York. Um, in fact, that's what people did before Rose versus Wade was decided, um, will always have access to abortion. Um, It will be the folks who don't have as much access, who will do things like try, um, who will will Google how to induce an abortion online. And they may be uh, successful, and they may not be successful, and they may do some damage, some real damage in the meantime. So if this bill does go through and it goes into effect, what will be the next steps for organizations like Planned Parenthood and people like yourself to continue fighting for pro-choice rights? Sure. Um, In in the worst case scenario, if something like this were to go into full effect, um, Planned Parenthood would 
and other abortion providers would, of course, follow the law. Uh, it's what we always do. Uh, we follow everything to a T because, uh, particularly because we're Planned Parenthood and we're watched so closely, um, there is uh, never a moment where we're we're not in uh, in alignment with the law. I think that women will do, our pregnant people will do what they have always done if they can. Uh, they will cross over into other states to attain abortions. Um, and so certainly there are efforts underway. Um, I can tell you that some some folks reached out to me on the day that it was passed and said, how can I help? How can I help uh, drive people to Charlotte? How can I help drive people uh, to other places? So people are very much aware that that could be the future. Well, Allison, we appreciate you joining us on Politically Inclined tonight. Thank you so much for having me. That was Richland County Councilwoman and Planned Parenthood organizer Allison Terracio. We'll be right back. Welcome back into Politically Inclined. Now here to talk about the University of South Carolina student government executive officer elections, which begin tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. and will finish up on Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Lydia, so much to get into here regarding these U of SC student government elections. A lot to talk about, but let's go ahead and give the rundown on who is running for each position. So for the position of student body president, you have four people in the mix there. That is Aiden Baker, Alex Harrell, Caden Askew, and Cameron Butler for student body vice president, Emily Dangler and Ashlyn Osborne going head to head there for student body treasurer, which is actually an interesting topic because the position of treasurer is up to potentially be taken away during this election cycle. You have Kate Turner, John Lind, Matthew Durant, and Samuel Corson. And then of course, for speaker of the student Senate, you have Morgiana McDevitt and Christian Phillips. So voting starts tomorrow, Lydia. Where are you at right now on what you think the potential outlook of this election is? Well, you know, SGTV News 4 did a poll on all of this right after the debate, that debate being Tuesday. Um, We got to hear from the candidates for the first time. We'd heard their platforms on social media, but it was an opportunity to look a little bit more into what each of them value and what they're looking for in the future of USC. To, you know, just give you a little bit on the polls right now of how it's going on, who they thought won the debate. Um, For student body treasurer, um, Kate Turner was at 33% that she um, had... Um, won that debate debate just meaning they would win they thought they won the debate not necessarily um, how people will vote this is just how they thought the debate performance was but it can give us a good insight into how people will be voting tomorrow um, to bring it over to student body president or, I mean student body vice president Ashlyn Osborne was at 61 percent um, for student body president the polls on that had Caden ask you at 42 percent um, but of course this is all up in the air. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, Kendall? It's certainly going to be interesting. And I will say, kind of like we talked about, that position of student body treasurer really up in the air tomorrow as to whether or not the students, because the students at USC have the opportunity to vote on whether or not they want for that position to stick around. So not only are these names on the ballot tomorrow, but there are also several other key issues that USC students will be voting on in terms of the leadership that represents them at this university. You know, and we heard um, in that debate, you know, the vote on the board being something that a lot of these candidates are focused on um, is trying to get that student voice um, and to be heard um, in so many different um, capacities. Yeah. 
Yes, and I will say something else interesting that could happen during this election cycle is the fact that there could be a couple of candidates that are elected that aren't on the same ticket. So I you find see, that hilarious yeah, too, Kendall. You we could have a split party ticket. Interesting, we really right could. There. It's not like the presidential election. Not we're at definitely going to get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris or Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Here you see Kate Turner who's winning running. in these SGTV News 4 polls, who's running on the Together We Can ticket with Alex Harrell for student body president. She's winning, but Harrell is losing in those polls from the debate to Caden Askew, who's running on the Askew-Osborne ticket. What I think would be the most interesting thing is if we got somebody um, from the Evolve campaign, um, who we have Emily Emily Dingler, she's running for vice president. Um, if we had her on a ticket, if she won, and let's first say, let's say somebody else won that wasn't, who wasn't the person she was running yep. with. Aiden Baker, her running mate there. That's definitely going to be interesting to see how all of that pans out. Tons of coverage coming from GMG, by the way, on this as well. WUSC doing interviews last week with Emily Dangler, SGTV News 4 with the debate coverage and one-on-one sit-down interviews with student body presidential candidates. It's good you bring up these one-on-one sit-down interviews because they are available on garnetmediagroup.org as well as SGTV News 4 socials. Um, Getting a better in-look that's not just, you know, a debate performance, but it's also just a one-on-one with those candidates. I know you yourself sat down with a candidate, Kendall. I did. I sat down with Caden Askew yesterday, an interview with Aiden Baker coming out today, and then an interview with Alex Harrell also came out yesterday. Daily Gamecock doing a lot of great coverage as well. So definitely a lot to look forward to tomorrow. There is the chance of a runoff, though. If one candidate does not get 50% of the vote, the top two candidates will then transition into a runoff, which will be in the next week. I think that is a very likely thing to happen. Chance it's, well, I think it's more likely for the presidential candidates because there are four of them. So for somebody to win 50% of the vote, they would have to pretty much be outright. And from what I see right now, I think it's a little bit all over the board. I think it's a big toss-up this year, and you're not seeing two candidates. It's four. Yeah. So it's a big difference. A lot of things to keep in mind is uh, a lot of students are still making up their mind of who they're going to vote for. Um, we want to encourage everybody to go out tomorrow and you know you can vote on your self-service Carolina it should be really easy um, just to make that vote yeah absolutely well I'm looking forward to it Lydia but that's all we have for politically inclined this week make sure to catch us each Monday at 6 p.m. for a discussion on the biggest political news politically inclined is a production by WUSC news and is produced by Chelsea Vines and Lynn Snyder make sure to follow us on Instagram at WUSC underscore news and on Twitter at WUSC news The music for Politically Inclined is called Fluffy by Smith the Mister. You can go find other new shows in WUSC News Podcast at garnetmediagroup.org. We also want to encourage all of you to go out and vote tomorrow for the student government elections on Self-Service Carolina. From WUSC News in Columbia, I'm Kendall Smith. And I'm Lydia Blackstone. We will see you next week.